Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we are finishing up the Battle of a Thousand Suns landscape where, oh boy, it's just a big old fight game. And that is very exciting to me. Uh, basically, we got a prompt from one of our patrons, one Lord of all Chris's, and he he challenged us to mortal combat. And so in our last episode, we built the world as we knew it. We've got kind of a cool sci-fi-ish world where planets of all kinds uh, come together in a big tournament. And today we're going to finish that up. We We ended last episode with a twist, which was an unreliable narrator slash main character. And before we get into that, I just want to remind everyone that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, and submit your own prompt. Alternatively, if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Twitter, at Let's World Build. Or if you want to come join our Discord, you can follow the link in the description. And if you're feeling particularly generous, like our patron here, Lord of All Chris's, then you can give us money over on Patreon. Now, on to today's episode. Who wants to get us started with reconciling the twist of an unreliable narrator slash main character? My idea for it was that since this is a, a big tournament and there would obviously be a lot of media coverage and there's also the political factor in there, like what if the these sort of unreliable narrators are the media themselves and government propaganda? So maybe the characters are hearing about this tournament from all these different sources and trying to piece together like what the actual story is. That's a really fun concept. Uh, I always love talking about fake news. Mm. So how, what, what's being uh, like, what's, what's the propaganda angle? What's being hidden from the public at large here? Hmm. It's gotta be, I mean, we know that the villain believes that they should be leaving the system because it's not sustainable what they're doing with their fake star. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's, it's the fact that something is, is wrong or failing. And so they're hiding that information by overblowing how great everything is. Maybe, maybe there's like a lower and lower return on investments when it comes to powering up the star. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. they're eventually leading to an inevitable heat death of this yeah. fake star. That's a really mm -hmm. good, interesting point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Climate um, change. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Everyone's in denial. Um, mm -hmm. So what's the scapegoat then? Who's to blame for it? Yeah. Let's see. Hmm. I mean, who's to blame for the apparent loss of return? Like, is that obvious to people or is it something? Because that seems like that's what they're hiding. Right? Well, actually, I mean, if the, the villain that we created last episode, mm -hmm. he's the one who's been slowly draining power from, you know, each subsequent champion. So realistically, mm -hmm. he's kind of the hidden, you know, like the hidden boss. He's the one who's actually to blame. But people don't know about him yet. He's hidden away. He's secret, right? He's the secret boss you got to unlock. So what are the media blaming for the lower and lower kind of power surges that they're experiencing? That's my question. So question for that is, is he, is there a genuine decay happening in their society or is he strictly the cause of the decay and it's just his ideology that he wants to leave the system? I like the idea that he's the one who's responsible for the decay. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So it's not that there actually is um, something happening that their system, their system actually is sustainable. He's just making it not that way. You know? Correct. Right, yeah. yeah. He's, he's just siphoning enough power to, to allow himself okay. to travel. So the question is, what does he blame? What, how is he helping manufacture the media to make it seem like something Right. What's else the scapegoat? Right. Actually, so. the idea that this champion or former champion is like very much in bed with the media mm -hmm. does sound pretty, pretty on the nose and pretty fun, mm -hmm. I think. Um, you know, like corporate interests and capitalist interests always kind of coincide with media interests and whatnot. What if we what if we blamed it on in the past in the real world, climate change in particular, man-made activity? Um, I mean, realistically, it's, it's often like a racial thing or like an immigrant thing most of the time. I mean, like even now, right? Like people are blaming the spread of the virus on immigrants. Um, mm -hmm. That's not climate change realistically there's just a denial about a lot of it some of the time isn't there like mm -hmm. well a lot of the times like so for example with cigarettes they'll usually misrepresent information to make it seem like something mm -hmm. a study that says one thing is actually saying the opposite and they'll make it same seem like it's saying the opposite mm. um so then either you pick a non sequitur which would be something like blame chinese people right or you you pick something that seems like it could be, it could be correct, but it's clearly being misinterpreted. Can we go with an ultimate boomer excuse, which is my generation, the older generation was just better. So oh. these <laughs> so these newfangled yeah. champions just aren't as strong as they used to be. They it's just a golden aren't working age as hard. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants yeah. to work anymore. Yeah, no one, no one's willing to fight to the death anymore like they did in my day. And so it's kind of a nationalism is what they're using in a sense. Because uh, yeah. yeah. They, and then it would rally the kids to fight. Yeah, not just that, but it's also like a moral decay. It's one of those yeah, things like where there's like a panic. Values. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which serves his purposes because he wants, I imagine he wants to get the fighters together because he needs to, he needs them to drain them and then to ultimately destroy the system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. That's, that's a fun angle to kind of take it with. Daniel, <laughs> what was your reconciliation with the whole twist? Um, mine had more to do with maybe the villain isn't quite um, like wrong. Like, so I would have suggested something like there is something fundamentally wrong with the system and what he's doing isn't actually bad. It's just, it's necessary. So kind mm -hmm. of like a um, Watchmen situation, right. um, you know, where, oh, what's his name? The, the main bad guy. Yeah, he's trying to like unite the country against something for once. So he has to manufacture a conflict. Um, so something like that, where the unreliable narrator ultimately really is the villain or at least our perception of the villain. Right. And, and it's, it's, a, there's some moral shades of gray that we're kind of experiencing mm -hmm. here. Interesting. How, well, how can we reconcile that with the, uh, the Courtney's idea here with the, with the media and everything like that? Do we just throw out the idea that this is sustainable except for this villain or, or something else maybe? Um. I mean, he could have, to, if he's, he's, he's in, he's high, he's fighting in a secret part of the, the tombs, right? That's where he is, where the final battle takes place, or is it on the star or something? Yeah, yeah, we can um, do that. Like, maybe he has discovered some hole in the, the star itself or some problem in it, you know? So he's not mm -hmm. totally wrong. He is maybe draining it, but maybe he's, he realizes, like, I'm just going to accelerate this process because it's inevitable, you know? Mm, so he's, like, literally an accelerationist. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, like maybe, <laughs> literally. Yeah, maybe there could be like alternate ways to fix it, but he's just like, no, fuck it. Let's just right. end it this way. Yeah, he's like, let's just abandon the system and make a mm-hmm. new one, even though we could correct this, you know? Yeah. Rip. So, so what I'm hearing from you is that we're going to try and take a, a rocket ship to Mars and live on Mars. <laughs> yes. We can totally terraform gotcha. an un- uh-huh. uninhabitable planet. It'll be fine. Yeah, his name, his <laughs> right. name, his bad guy name is Musk, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think you mean Schmielanch Musk. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's Musk, but he looks like Trump when they do when the conservatives draw him in cartoons. Oh my so <laughs> like literally got Emperor Musk. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm already grossed out by this. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so I, I think we can certainly reconcile that. Um, that's, that's interesting. So, so let's, let's kind of take that. Well, what did you have in mind? Cause we don't we didn't tell us yours. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the problem is that mm-hmm. Courtney's idea like completely makes me want to just get rid of mine, uh-huh. <laughs> which which I which and actually mine was basically along your lines, Daniel. Which is the bad guy mm-hmm. is not actually the bad guy, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, or alternatively, I I, I I was of two minds. One, I can do that, which is uh, the bad guy is not actually the bad guy. Or the alternative idea that I had in mind was um, the guy who is who claims he's a pacifist is not actually a pacifist at all. In fact, he's uh-huh. trying to ramp up warmongering. Uh, and actually, if we kind of take that, that idea, seems legit. Yeah, that yeah. seems like he mm. would be. You know, I mean, if if we take that concept and and like ramp it way the fuck up, we can have it so like he's not trying to escape this system as like a pe- in a peaceful means. He's going. He's trying to leave this system one because it's dying, and two because he's already proven he's the strongest. So now he's going to use that power to conquer other solar systems. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't plan on settling other systems. He plans on invading them and taking them. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, oh, maybe he's going to use the star as a kind of rocket ship and basically go <laughs> from system to system, devouring other stars and planets and stuff. We can have he's like turned a real it into a weapon. That's why yeah. he wants to accelerate it because if he can get all the heroes that came to fight him, he can supercharge the star dislodge it from their system and begin his invasion process yes okay yeah i mean that is that is a very fighting game plot if i've ever heard one (laughs) so that's why you gotta stop him in the end because you're like this is crazy you know yeah exactly like you're gonna do what oh no you gotta go down and then like he's also attacked into all the tombs so all the tombs plus the present heroes so so he's using all of them basically got Mm -hmm. it okay okay (laughs) Interesting. I am all the Jedi. God, vomit. <laughs> okay. yeah, 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 come on. Come on, Daniel. <sighs> anyway, um, so I, I think that's a pretty good reconciliation of the twist. I think that's pretty dope, mm-hmm. man. Uh, I'm very excited because normally we introduce factions and other things that are appropriate to, you know, the setting and the concept that we're kind of going with. And in this case, we're doing things a little bit differently. We're actually going to be introducing one of our very own fighting character or fighting game characters into the system in and of itself. And what we're going to do is just based on the character description, we're going to then extrapolate that and see what it means from a world building perspective. What does this character add and what can we learn and glean from the from the character that we've created? So I, I, I'll start us off today because 
Normally, when I play uh, fighting games, I typically prefer rushdown characters or, um, you know, uh, grapplers a lot of the time. Oh, uh, you should explain what those things are because we don't know what those are. Yeah. Okay. No yeah. So in, in fighting games, there are like general archetypes of characters. It's basically when you enter a fighting game, you have a plan of how you're going to fight your opponent, right? So when it comes to a rushdown character, it's exactly what it sounds like. You're going to be very aggressive. You're going to attack the enemy as much as possible, put them on the defensive. Uh, characters like this would be someone like uh, Giovanna from Guilty Gear Strive. Uh, it would be someone like Makoto from uh, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, uh, stuff like that. Uh, you, uh, you also have grapplers who... They're big and they're slow. And once they grab you, they do like half your life bar in one move. Uh, you have Potemkin again from Guilty Gear Strive. You have uh, Zangief from Street Fighter. You could even look at like um, King and Armor King from the Tekken series. They're kind of like a grappler type. Or uh, Marduk is also not a bad option of that as well. There's Those are my two favorites. There's a bunch of different other types as well. There's Shoto, they're like joke characters is a general archetype as well, where it's like, hey, this character sucks. Ha ha. This is the whole joke is just it's a bad character, right? Um, then you have the Shoto, which is typically like a main character who has Dragon Punch, Fireball and uh, Tatsu, which are just like gap closers, basically. So like Terry Bogard, Ryu and Ken, those are all you know, Shoto type characters. And then we have the archetype that I want to mess with because I don't play them, but I think they're interesting. I, I'm like not good enough at fighting games to, to effectively play this type of archetype that I really want to mess around with, which is, and I'm, and I'm missing a bunch of others, but I'm, I'm focusing in on my character now. I wanted to create a zoner. Uh, and a zoner is basically um, the opposite of a rushdown character where their plan is to fill the screen with projectiles and minions and bullshit so that their entire game plan is to keep away from the enemy and like hit them while doing so. And it's an incredibly frustrating and annoying play style if the person's doing it right, which I think is actually really fun. I think that zoners get a lot of shit because it's kind of, antithetical to like fading games it's like you know like just sit here and punch me but it's like zoners do the opposite of that <laughs> so so i created a a character who is uh diana priestess of the moon and she has two um cyborg assistants they're like they basically look like robot mannequins and what she can do is she has a hammer and these little talisman things she takes a hammer, nails one of the talismans to her cyborg assistant, and then they take on whatever spirit lies within the talisman itself. So this woman is basically like able to summon up heroes of her planet, not, not the solar system, but of her planet, and evoke their skills within the mannequins that they have for limited periods of time. So, you know, when you need someone who's going to drive really well for the driving part, guess what? Nam you know, hammer, nail, and then you summon up their version of, you know, uh, Dale Earnhardt or whatever. <laughs> so, Shamanistic Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like you're basically summoning the robots on or like these you're summoning the spirits of these heroes onto see onto these synthetic robot things. And in like a fighting game, 
she would have her own ways of fighting. And then her keep away style is to use the heroes that her her robot assistants to keep the enemy away, basically. So that's, that's my concept that I wanted to work with. I like that it's drawing on her culture, like literally, Mm -hmm. because then it gives her this like really cool diversity to work with. And I can imagine even like, you know, I can imagine her like using that same mechanism to like summon the spirit of, I don't know if this is like, she's just, she's summoning the spirit into her, not really like a literal thing. Right. Right. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of like, okay, I need your expertise in this Mm -hmm. thing. Time for me to use your skills in this, you know, in that way, you know. So she's like Neo using the Matrix, but it's her people. And so she she could summon like the spirit of like uh, a fighter pilot and or like you said, like they all are hard to do like the mech battle. Exactly. Um, does she change at all physically or is it just like, I don't know, she changes color or something? She doesn't, but the robots take on the full form. Uh, oh, okay. They're like uh, they they basically are uh, not shapeshifters, but they're like holograms, basically. So it could be a giant mech that she could summon, then basically. Uh not through, well, the, through the little bot guy. Not necessarily, no, because I had it in mind that these the cyborgs that she's dealing with are like human size, like that's kind of oh, like okay. the size and mm-hmm. scope. But if so, it'd be sitting the in mech, the cockpit with her. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. So the the other thing that I think is kind of fun and interesting about this is that like she's in the passenger seat during the driving battle. She's like barely paying attention because she's having, you know, like her minions basically do the work for her. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. She's kind of has these ghostly companions. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. I can kind of picture them having the, you know, the grid uh, graphical look. Like when you, when you have like a hollow, um, spline, I guess spline is the word splines of a thing. So they look like they're, you know what I mean? Like the spline grid when you draw a holographic object. What's that? I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, they don't look like the fully formed thing. They look like a sketch or a sketch, but like a line drawing of it. That's three dimensional. See, I had it in mind that they would basically look like fighting game characters. <laughs> well, there's other fighting characters. No, no, no. I mean, like, they, like because the graphics aren't quite there yet, they're just like, all right, we're going to get <laughs> as close as possible. You know, like, it's not a perfect representation, but it's also not Uncanny Valley, you know, where it's like these projections are like hyper stylized versions of the people who they once were. It's kind of like, you know, that our logo has like the world that's half built. And yeah. It's like splines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was picturing mm-hmm. like the Star Trek mm-hmm. hologram grid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe as they take damage, they like kind of start to <gasps> oh, lose that's it good. a little bit. Oh, yeah. that would be neat. Yeah. More sketchy. And, yeah. and it's also an indicator of like, okay, you need to switch out, you know, like time mm-hmm. to move over, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, and, and uh, the thing that I wanted to kind of explore or like, uh, imply with her and her faction and everything like that is um, the idea that there is a blend of magic and technology happening and that is normal. And because she's a priestess, there is also like some religious aspect to it as well. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I have, and obviously spirits of the dead, like all of those things kind of blend together in this kind of uh, what I think is interesting, like way where I'm summoning robots and spirits of the dead, magic and technology working together. Because if I'm working in a science fiction setting, I mean, I want to be able to make sure that we get a little bit of everything, you know? Mm -hmm. 
So Daniel, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your character? What have you come up with? I'm very curious about these because I think Daniel has probably played the least amount of fighting games among all of us. (laughs) Yeah, I think I've only ever played some Street Fighter, like the second one and the one on PlayStation 3, I think. Um, Uh, I think your thing is Street Fighter 4. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mortal Kombat and this is on like whatever it originally came out on. Mm. Um, (laughs) Clay Fighter. Yeah. Oh my god, Clay Fighter. Yeah. Jeez. And then there's that this is... one that has like the three, it's 3D, and it's got like some glacier guy. I hated that one. Uh are you thinking, talking about Killer Instinct? Yeah. Maybe? That's it. Oh, you didn't Those like that all... one? That no, was the one I played I the like most as a kid. Oh, you like that one? I mean Killer Instinct I liked it had... when I was like ten. <laughs> the, I haven't played the new Killer Instinct, but I have <laughs> listened to the soundtrack a lot because the soundtrack is fucking amazing. It's Mick Gordon who does like basically all of the great modern soundtracks. He's done the killer, uh, the killer instinct soundtrack. He also did doom and doom eternal soundtracks. Mm. And as the internet and memes will tell you like, yeah, that music is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Oh, and my favorite has got to be the Marvel one. Like the one you can find in the arcade with onslaught. Uh, is that Marvel versus no, is that Capcom? Yeah. I'm, I'm tr- well, I'm trying to remember because I loved all of those as well. Like the ch- uh, X-Men Children of the Atom. Mm-hmm. There was Street Fighter versus X-Men. And then and then that evolved into... I think uh, it's Marvel versus Marvel Capcom. Versus there's Capcom. a lot of other stuff, other characters in it that weren't Marvel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So those are the, that's the extent. That's the actual extent of right. all the ones I played. <laughs> and I, haven't, I didn't play them all through or anything. It's just like, you know, at arcades or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so again, yeah. my question, I'm very curious, what's your character look like, Daniel? So my character's name is Starbuck, um, which is a little <laughs> toss over to Battlestar. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm picturing like, so the character is actually two characters merged into one. Um, and so they have this kind of uh, indiscriminate gender, like in terms of their appearance. But what they really are is two beings, because on the world that they come from, there's like um, the, the society is split into like a, an aggressive gender and a, and a non-aggressive gender. Mm-hmm. So how do you want to render them? I don't really care. But basically, there's two like personalities. And so their society, I'm picturing like kind of Spock, you know, Vulcan, highly logical. And the way they control their emotions is by binding two people together. And so mm. one is aggressive, but one is non-aggressive. And so, and they have, they're kind of like psychics. So I'm imagining their powers being very psychics, but the key thing they, they do is they're really good at star fighting. So like when they're in, in fighter pilots, they, they can split into two or when they're physically fighting, they split into two. So you have like the, the red and the blue fighter representing the two kind of um, styles of fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking like fast, long range stuff, um, you know, like Chun-Li-esque attacks um and also like having that like you know how in a lot of the fighting games you can call in the secondary character yeah so i I imagine that function but that's actually one of their normal moves like they just split apart and split together again got some like ice climbers action going on (laughs) we could we could even go so far as to call them a stance character where the personality like the dominant personality switches between them and their fighting style switches uh with them and that's actually a type, an archetype of uh, fighting game characters as well, like Gen, for example, or 
you know, like a million of them from Virtua Fighter all have these stances that switch and then their fighting style changes pretty dramatically depending on where they are, you know? In terms of what they would look like, I imagine kind of like last airbender monk, but they have like the outfit of like a Battlestar Starfighter pilot. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. uh, so what can we, well, my, my question now becomes what can we glean from the information that we have from this character? Obviously, uh, gender fluidity and like the, the fusion of, of personality types come together. That's obviously fairly indicative of that planet. My question is obviously now, so when it comes to the fusion part, right? Like how does that work? What does their planet look like? Is it totalitarian? Do you have to become fused with one another? Or is this like some kind of a class thing? Is this some kind of a eugenics thing? How does that look like? What does that look like to you, Daniel? I would have seen it as um, a cultural practice that that may have some religious connotation to it. Mm -hmm. In that um, the merge, it's a kind of like you're almost like if you're you're marrying someone, like you've decided this is your your other and or your partner, and you double with them, but you literally can merge together with them, mm -hmm. and so it helps you keep um, your emotions in check because one half of their society is probably raised to be very aggressive, and the other half is raised to be very passive in order to control their emotions. But when they join, they're even more in control. Right. So, so can these people split afterwards or are they basically forced into a singular state? I think they can. It's just a matter of like, they prefer to be joined because they're, they, they're less strong when they're split. So when they're fighting, it's easy for them to split and then like confuse their opponent because now gotcha. they're dealing with two people. You know, mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, I don't think anyone here has seen Steven Universe, but you've basically made Garnet, and I'm totally okay oh, with that. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's also there's that's a spoiler for season one, but still, uh -huh. that is that's a really cool concept. Uh, I like that idea a lot, Daniel. Uh, Imagine it, like the kids, like you know, they grow up fi finding their way into one not cast but one group or the other, and then they try to find their their opposite and pair with them. Mm. Right. Like and, I mean, and, in a platonic way. It's not like, I, mean, I guess it could be romantic. romantic too. I was going to say, so like, wait, how do, how do we deal with romance? Is it like, do fusions like date other fusions? What happens if one character or one side likes the other side, but not the other? Like, how does that work exactly? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm totally open, but what I imagine is that um, since they're a highly logical society, their mating practices are probably divorced of, you know, the jealousies and issues we deal with. It's more like a practical concern, but I'm, right. I'm sure it's complicated because there's still two separate entities. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that's kind of interesting. And we will never talk about in terms of a fighting game, like no one or, or rather very few people are going to sit here and talk about like, well, what are the implications? How? How do outlanders date in uh, Mortal Kombat? You know, like I can't remember. <laughs> right. uh, oh, I can't remember Baraka's race. But how do how do those reptile people? people. No, Baraka is the one who have the they have the blades in their arms and they have oh. no lips and just giant needle teeth. It's like obviously you're not smooching anybody with giant needle teeth, right? So it's like, <laughs> what is their what does that Spores. look like? You know, like 
no one no one asks those questions. That's why we're brave. Hashtag brave. Mm-hmm. Asking the tough questions here about Mortal Kombat romance options. But I'm sure the fan fiction authors ask those sorts of questions. Oh, yeah, but that's okay. That's all like just <laughs> penetration. Like that's not, <laughs> you know, actually, now that I think about it, there's probably some gross fan fiction about like needle teeth and stuff like <laughs> we're getting super off track here. I apologize. <laughs> Courtney, save us and tell us about your character, please. Okay, we will do. Um, So I don't have a name for this one, but I was kind of going in the direction of like somebody very beefy who does slow but very strong attacks, which is kind of the opposite of what I tend to play in fighting games. Accurate. That's that's typically what I play is like the beef master type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I had wanted this person. I'm picturing them as like a human or humanoid, but um, essentially they're their power comes from both their strength and the fact that they have a particle accelerator strapped to their fist. (laughs) Oh, to their fist? (laughs) To their fist, yes. So they can punch you with little black holes, essentially. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Yeah. that's really fun. Um, So outside of punching for the little... So outside of particle accelerator fist, Mm. uh, what can we glean from this character's world based on that information alone? I mean, I think um, technology would have to be pretty advanced for them to have a weapon that can that can function like that. Um, But at the same time, they clearly like value, clearly value strength and and sort of up close combat. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're like very like in your face type people. Very aggressive. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. It sounds like, too, their culture might be into cybernetics in some way. Yeah. Oh, that's actually a very good point. Yeah. Like body mods and enhancements and stuff. Yeah. How into body mod? Like, how humanoid is this humanoid is my question. The beef yeah. boy that we're talking about. And also, is it is it just cybernetics or is it like, you know, like maybe genetic alterations and breeding or something like that? Oh, that could be fun to play with. Yeah. Like bringing in other, even other species or just sort of like selective breeding of this line to make them Mm -hmm. into like the best fighters possible. You know, I mean, if, if, if you're, if the fate of the prime ministry of the solar system depended Mm -hmm. on it, I would bet that some planets would be like, whatever we got, what animal is it? Sure. Put it in there. Like, yeah, (laughs) make it, make them the best fighter possible. Mm -hmm. He's, He's not going to live past this tournament, but <laughs> I mean, that's all we need. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. And maybe even to like build on that, he's very like covered up and some sort of final move has him revealing himself as this like grotesque kind oh, of like, collection like, of creatures. Yeah. Like a chimera person almost yeah, or something yeah. like that where yeah. it's like, Oh boy, you can see all of that. They didn't even try to cover it up. Oh nope. geez. Yeah. <laughs> Is their planet a trash planet? Does it have to be? I don't think no, it why has not? to be. Can it be a trash planet? Uh, um can it like, be a not recycling from their plan? But from Mars it's trash. <laughs> well, why why do you want it to be trash? Is my question. I'm picturing like in the Thor movie, the planet has all that crap in it because it's like mm-hmm. where all the um like kind of like things are discarded, but I'm imagining there's just like they're like these hoarders collecting all this technology because they want to like embed it on themselves. Mm. Yeah, mm. and kind of like picking and choosing from different mm-hmm. parts to like build into these amalgamations. 
Yeah. And so it, it's not a matter of we do this because it's the best option. It's like we do this because it's the only option. <laughs> and they're also they just kind of they kind of dig it. Yeah, like that <laughs> yeah. I can that I can get behind. Like that's an interesting concept to me where it's like, oh, oh no, we we we've been given scraps. What kind of scrap golem can we create mm -hmm. to make sure that we're not dead ass last in every single game, you know? A kiss, one of his killing moves could be like, he like grabs the person and rips out some part of them and then like attaches it to himself. <laughs> Actually, brutal. yeah, I mean, he could be like rogue, you know, like basically where he like grabs yeah. onto you, drains part of your power mm -hmm. and like some aspect of his character kit changes as a result or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's cool. That might be cool, yeah. So... We've created our factions and our characters. I think that we've come to a pretty good place. Uh, damn, that's that's really fun. Um, so normally we do like quest lines where we figure out the main storyline or the quest that, you know, like plot hooks that we try and get people into when it comes to the setting. I think that when it comes to the main quest here, it's pretty cut and dry. I think that it's a battle tournament the quest is to win the tournament and then beat the boss and then potentially beat the main secret boss that we've come mm -hmm. up with too, right? Mm -hmm. um, is Do we want to muddle around with that or do we want to talk about potential plot hooks and quest ideas outside of the tournament but are still within the setting? Yeah, I feel like something outside but like connected to the tournament could be mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, because part of what we're doing here is we're not literally trying to recreate the, I mean, we're doing this, but we're not primarily creating the world building for a fighting game. We're creating, we're using this as a springboard to tell other kinds of stories as well. Exactly. So if, yeah, so if the, if the, if the main quest is this battle, like the, the final battle, what else is happening in this world that could be written about or played in an RPG? Mm -hmm. So... I think that we can kind of go about this in multiple ways. To me, there's two really interesting angles that we can kind of mess around with. One, there's an investigative reporter angle, which is you're a group of investigative reporters who are trying to uncover the truth behind the media cover. Alternatively, there is the political intrigue angle where you are playing like kind of low to mid-level parliamentary politicians and you're like trying your best to make sure that legislation happens make sure that you know the laws that you need to go through go through and you're trying to do all these like house of cards backroom dealings and stuff like that and then all of that can immediately go to shit just because your uh your fighting representative bowed out in the first round or some nonsense like that right I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that we can do where you're playing a character who is basically a handler to these major fighting game characters who are in the tournament. From a story perspective, like if I was writing a story or a novel or something, I really like the first one because I can picture some characters that would be, you know, at protagonists in it like i can picture you obviously there's an investigator or, or a reporter or whatever i could but i could also picture like maybe a washed up ex-fighter who's in mm -hmm. uh, in her party or, or his party um you know i could picture um maybe i don't know like a a, a trainer i could picture like other mm -hmm. you know people peripheral to the fight 
you know, maybe some sleazy um, media person who gets caught up in it, you know, like a talk show host or something. So it's kind of like random color people who are trying to navigate through that space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but Daniel, you just gave me a really interesting idea for a character, which is the X fighter who was always second place to that year, like that tournament year, the the representative Mm -hmm. of the tournament. Mm -hmm. And he's always a bridesmaid, never a bride, that type of person. (laughs) And he like lives with this kind of shame and guilt. Like I've never been good enough. And Mm -hmm. so he's kind of got to deal with that. And he's also got the reputation of second place. And he really cares about the fight. So that's why when the reporter's onto something and he wants to uncover what's wrong, like he's invested. Mm -hmm. Maybe that fighter was screwed over. You know, like maybe for political reasons, he was actually supposed to be the one to go into the fight. But for whatever reason, they needed someone else to go in. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe Mm -hmm. they, they threw a fight and he like really hates that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's the, maybe that's the political angle is that he was maybe maybe there is something political into this, right? Where it's like, hey, we're going to have our guy go down in the third round as long as you push through this legislation, you know, blah 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 blah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that and that's where you can kind of shift between the politics and the investigative reporter mm-hmm. like that kind of world. That's the B plot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if if I was running this as a game, I would even have it so it's like you could play, li- you could literally play both sides. So it's where, like the campaign mode is like the politics mode. That'd be fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, 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 man, it'd be really interesting to run that as a game where it's like, mm-hmm. or or run it as two groups where one group are the politicians trying mm-hmm. to make shady deals. And the other, like the investigative team trying to uncover them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wor- it works in terms of a narrative structure too, if you're writing, because you have the A, a-, a plot, like what's at- what's happening in the main storyline with the reporter and the action. But your B plot could be the scenes you switch to to talk about the higher level politics, to show what the politician is doing, what's happening in the background. So you have those two perspectives. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Courtney, you had a point that you were going to make. Oh, just that it opens the door for a lot of different character types. Like one mm. that I thought of right away was like a bookie and to tie oh, yeah. it in with the fighter who got screwed over. Maybe this bookie also got screwed over because of that throne fight and they like lost a ton of money or lost something. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe they were promised a ton of money by offering mm. this person to, you know, to throw the fight. And then something happens where it's like, you never paid me. Like you mm. sons of bitches, you never paid me. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but I have this whole idea where it's like, you could literally call it the B listers or something like that, <laughs> where like, that's the name of the squad that have gotten together because they were all second place in whatever they were talking about or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, that's really fun. That's really interesting to me. Like that type of story. Uh, so you can do your punch, you, know, you can do your punch fight tournament. Like that's totally fine. That's cool. That's what, we, you know a big reason why we built this kind of setting to begin with. I really love the idea of an entire system that's built around the tournament and the political maneuverings within. Like, I think that's a really fun, cool way that we can kind of explore the setting as well. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. So with that all said and done, uh, now we're just going to roll some dice and figure out how we can reconcile the dumb bullshit dice when they roll. So let's see what happens. So here we're going to try and come up with a plot hook within the setting 
while changing the genre and focusing on a different theme. So let's see what the genre we're going to be focusing on is. So we're kind of already there. It says space Western. Um, mm. so, so we've got space Western. Let's see what the theme is. <laughs> okay. So the theme is the mundane. And we literally just did this though. Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like we just did. I'm going to re-roll. We're going to, we're going to cut that. We're going to re-roll. Actually, wait, idea. Okay. For space Western with what was it? Mundane. The mundane. Yes. The mundane. Um, something about like, like the chefs or like the cleaning crew who takes care of the tournament area. Oh, at the and fight. the fighters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now we're getting into straight up comedy and I'm here <laughs> for it. I think that'd be great. I mean, that's like, that's like when you have the guys serving the food in the baseball stands. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. So I love the idea. What's the quest that they're going on though? <laughs> Hmm. Well, because if it's like, oh God, I hope they don't allow fatalities this year. Do you remember that happening last year? It took us months to scrape the teeth and gore out of the arena. That could certainly be a comment that they have. Yeah. I imagine um, you could do it very small scale if it's a story, it's a short story, where perhaps they're onto the fact that a fight is going to be thrown and they've uh. covered this fact. And perhaps there's some shenanigans involving their employers that would screw them over. If this if this happens, and so they've got to find a way to like either convince the fighter to not go through with it, or I don't know, like change the situation so they can't throw the fight. You know, that could be something very simple and mundane. Yeah, mm. that's a fun idea. It's like one of them like finds a slip of paper when they're emptying the trash, or like overhears something when they're waiting a table, or right. kind of in the stands or something. Hmm. There's something that I'm trying to like work with here. Like there's something rattling in my brain, which is like, hey, why don't we deal with some doomed protagonists here? And it's not about, you know, like it's not about getting out of the situation scot-free. It's not about like ascending to a god or walking away with a bunch of money. This isn't a heist movie. It's like coming to terms with something that is like very devastating and quiet. Because if we're doing the mundane, I'd like to explore something like that where it's like, hey, I'm not going to be able to pay off these debt. Maybe, maybe that's what we focus on. Maybe it's not even before they throw the fight. It's that these people have spent their entire life savings on these fights. And it's the aftermath of I don't have the money. And now the mob or the equivalent of the mob is coming for me and I have to make peace with myself while also cleaning up the blood and gore from said fights. Yeah, I mean, you could do that kind of like, um, like a social commentary version of it too. You know, mm -hmm. if you do want to go to the comedy angles, so then you got a whole mm -hmm. different tone, which is really neat. Yeah, I mean, th there's just something to me that I think is really, in like, don't get me wrong. I think, I think we've got a really hilarious premise with this. I just wanted to see what we could do if we went super dark with it too, because I think that's kind of interesting. You could also have it as like a black comedy as well, where it's like, mm -hmm. they're, they're like literally shoveling giblets into like a, a scoop pan or something like that while talking about their inevitable, while they're talking about their own inevitable death at the hands of the mob, you know? Mm -hmm. mm. I mean, you could, what you could do in that scenario too is tell it from the perspective of one of the mobsters who is responsible for this stuff. 
And so the peripheral characters are the ones we're talking about who work the fight. Actually, this reminds me, there is an indie game called Adios. Have I talked to you guys about this yet? Mm-mm. No. So Adios is a really brilliant, really well-written indie game that is about a hitman who goes to a farmer, uh, a pig farmer, and they the mob has been using the pig farmer to basically get rid of bodies. They would have the, the pigs eat the mm-hmm. bodies and stuff like that. And um, the farmer is, he, he tells the hitman like, hey, I'm not doing this anymore. I want out. And the hitman is basically like, you know what that means, right? And the farmer is okay with that. I think that you could tell a really interesting story from yeah. both sides of it. Like, exactly. And then you again yeah. have the, the story structure of A and B plot, or at least this is not different plots, but you have different perspectives. So you could switch between two characters, points of view. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, there's, I, I feel like there's a deep amount of like sympathy and empathy for both characters that you can kind of build up, you know, where it's like, they basically spend their last X amount of hours together. And, you know, there's probably some level of, I don't know. There, there, there's a lot of interesting thoughts that we can kind of go with there. On that ambivalent note, I think we've kind of exhausted the types of stories that we can tell within our uh, battle for a thousand suns world. Mind you, I don't think that's true. We could have a ton more options considering totally. that we have mm. so many different planets that we can explore mm-hmm. and different fighting game character archetypes that we can explore as well. But for now, considering that we've gone through this for almost an hour, I feel like it's time that we can close it up. Any last thoughts on Battle of a Thousand Suns before we head out? Nope. Um, now one of you enterprising listeners needs to make a video game based on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be credits. cool. Yeah, that'd be anyone who wants to make a fighting game. Uh, you have permission to give us credit for this and then use everything <laughs> that we say. Um, so that'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com and submit a prompt and we will build your world on air. That's how this whole thing works. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Let's World Build on Twitter. And you can come join our Discord and talk about fighting games, among other cool things, over there whenever you feel like it. Link for that in the description. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon and give us money. It's like a tip. You know, just like be like, hey, you guys are cool. Here's some money. That'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much. And we're going to get through this together until next week. <laughs>